It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, and welcome back to Story Collider's Stories of COVID-19 series. I'm your host, Artistic Director Aaron Barker, and today we're bringing you part two of our episode on home. If you missed part one, we shared a story from psychologist and Story Collider board member Ali Matu about his adventures in parenting during the pandemic. We also spoke with Yiling Liu, a journalist based in China, about how home life has changed in China post-COVID. For now, we have two more stories for you about how home life has changed during the pandemic. Our next story comes from Storyteller and Story Collider Chicago producer Lily B. It was recorded at her home in Chicago. If there is one thing I know I am not, it is full of shit. So I'm not going to lie to y'all. Early March, when rumors of the pandemic started stirring, I was not worried about it. When they locked down Chicago, I was okay with it. Look, I, I moved out of my house when I was 15 years old. I had a baby by the time I was 17. At 18, I moved across the country with no one but my baby and his dad. And by 21, I moved back to raise my son. You want to talk social distancing, quarantine? Have a baby at 17 and commit to raising it. I was made for this. In fact, I was better off post-pandemic lockdown than I was before. My employers had agreed to pick me up and drop me off from work, saving me money on Ubers and transportation, period. My twenty now 24-year-old son had agreed to do my laundry and my groceries, okay? Coronavirus seemed to be a come-up for me. I was fine until about week three. I mean, I was still fine with it by week three, but in week three, I was more in my head. I think a lot of people were asking ourselves those existential, why am I here? What is my purpose? How long will this last? Why did I marry you? You're my kids. Oh no. What did I do with my life? Right? All those questions. The earworm that was playing in my head at the time was, you're going to die alone, Lily. And it stemmed from an email that I received in 2016 from a then friend I had a falling out with on Facebook who was mad and wouldn't stop emailing me. And one of the last emails he said to me, I was going to die alone. And I wrote it off as like, you're a psycho. So full of shit, G. But now... End of March 2020, 
where I could catch coronavirus, easily die in my apartment, and nobody would find me until they reported the smell. I'm a single 42-year-old asexual Afro-Latina who lives on this west side of Chicago who doesn't know her neighbors and who a lot of people don't know where I live. Nobody knows where I live. Very few. While I may be social on the internet and very social in public, if I don't show up to a place or I don't show up to an event, people just assume I'm doing something else. I'm a very extroverted loner. I started to worry. I asked my son to check on me and he's like, no, I'm not going to check on you every day. You're going to be fine. I started joining more groups. I got myself more busy on the internet. But again, if I don't show up or post or something, people just assume I'm doing something else. This wasn't helping to get this earworm out of my head, this fear that was settling in. So I just figured I got to get something to keep my mind off of this thing that I'm afraid of will happen. And And they say thoughts become things. So I just, if I kept thinking it, I was probably going to happen. So you know what? How do I I stop? Let's get get, get busy doing something else. And I decided, okay, I got it. I'll get a pet. And I did. On April 14, 2020, Lyle the Bearded Dragon moved into my home. He was the size of my pinky in a 20-gallon tank that my son dropped off, and right away I, I fell in love with him. Love at first sight. I started doing things for this bearded dragon that I didn't even do for my flesh-and-blood son. Like a housing upgrade within a week. She's should seen the look on my son's face when I asked him to go pick up a tank on the south side of Chicago, a 55-gallon tank. Can you go pick up this tank? Like, what? what are you talking about? But he did it because he knew how much uh, this lizard meant to me. I uh, remember when I first had my son how people had suggested that I should make him baby food because baby food, organic baby food is so good for them. All you got to do is boil carrots, mash them down, put them in jars, stick them in the fridge. And I was like, what? You crazy. Ain't nobody got time for that. But you know what I had time for in a pandemic? Building a three-tier mealworm farm so that Lyle didn't have to wait for his food to come from no big box pet store. Now he got that gourmet shit. I also was meal prepping foods for him that I myself don't eat like Swiss chard and endive and dandelion greens. I mean, Lyle was living it up. So no, this, people, that I knew something was up in mid to late June when our little bath time poop game didn't end in him pooping in the water while I went and got his towel. I came back to the sink and he hadn't pooped and I was like, wait a second. You always poop when I turn around to go get your towel. It started out as a frustration, but because it happened every time, I just made it a game where I'm like, okay, here I go to get your towel and poop. I never saw him do it. He's a little bathroom shy. But when that didn't happen in June, 
I got concerned. And then he started losing weight. And I had to find an exotic pet vet to see him. I took him in and I couldn't even go into the room with him. I had to sit in the car and wait. And sitting in my son's car just worried. The vet's like, well, what is he eating? And I was like, well, I feed him all these vegetables and greens and and mealworms that I breed for him. And wouldn't you know it? It was the mealworms that almost killed him. She sent me home with an antibiotic in case he had a stomach infection and a stool loosener. And with every day that passed, because they needed a stool sample, with every day that passed that he didn't poop, I got more and more worried. My heart sank more and more in my stomach. And this isn't something that you can really just announce on Facebook during a pandemic. Don't nobody want to send no prayers out to your damn lizard. And I didn't want to bother people with that kind of like request so I dealt with this by myself even when people asked me how Lyle was I didn't want to get into too much about him because I just felt it wasn't important all things considered right so I just waited and waited for this poop and when it finally came it was the most beautiful glorious little poop I had ever seen I scooped it up into the container they gave me and I called his big brother like your little brother pooped your little brother pooped and my son's like okay mom I'm at work can you not and I was like you don't understand your little brother's gonna be okay it's a big beautiful poop and he hung up on me I took the poop in it tested negative for parasites another win and then I put him on a diet of different proteins same greens when I tell you that Lyle is like my soulmate, I'm not lying. Like I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I'm lying <laughs> because we're so much alike and that we love our space. Like he can't have anyone in his space. I can't have anyone in my space. We, we, we appreciate the people that nourish us and love us and care for us. And and we both know that dying alone is not the worst way to die. It's being full of shit when we die. That's far worse than that. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's not a, there's no point in worrying how I'm going to die. It's just making sure that while I'm alive, I'm caring for and making an impact on the people and things that really matter. And thanks to Lyle coming into my life in 2020. I won't lose sight of that. That was Lily B. Lily describes herself as mom, nanny, storyteller, show creator, educator, game developer, and awesome. I have to agree. Find out more at lilyb.com. Before we move on to our final story of home, I just want to remind everyone yet again that StoryGlider hosts monthly online storytelling workshops. 
If you're looking to develop your storytelling and communication skills or find a new community to work on material during the pandemic, I highly recommend checking out these workshops. Registrations are now open for January and February courses. Find out more at storyquieter.org workshops. And if you're listening to the series thinking that you have a story about how the pandemic has affected you in a big or small way, get in touch. You can send your story pitches to stories at storyquieter.org or you can pitch through the form on our website. Right now, we're looking for stories for our second COVID-19 series. Our last story on the theme of home is from storyteller Tasmin Odin. Her story was recorded at her home in New York. It's a typical day in the Hawk Udin Rodriguez household. That's a dozen of us living across three floors. It's a Wednesday. I got home from a day of work teaching two classes to our seniors, planning different youth activities. Uh, I played with my nephews. I had dinner with the family. And by 10 p.m., I'm in bed enjoying some well-earned rest. Typically, my phone is on Do Not Disturb once it hits 10, but my phone rings, and who the heck got past my do not disturb? Who's calling me? And so I look at my phone, and it's my younger brother calling from downstairs. And it's 12.30. I answer the phone, and I'm like, what do you want? Why are you calling me? It's past midnight. And he says he needs my dad's paperwork. I'm like, what do you need the paperwork for? And he's like, just come down. I'll explain. So I roll out of bed, I get the paperwork, and I go downstairs. And of course, even in my state of not being completely awake, I notice his big Pat's banner because he's a traitor. And I give him the paperwork, he asks for my phone, I give him all of that, and I'm asking him, you know, what's going on? What happened? And he tells me, remember at dinner time we were talking about borders closing because of the coronavirus? And I'm like, yeah, that's not happening anytime soon. And he's like, guess what? The borders just closed in Europe and Asia is next. My dad is in Bangladesh. He went on vacation to BD after like 10 years and he's going to do some shopping and things of that sort. And in my head, I'm like, we, I just, I just spoke to dad, you know, like that morning before I went to work and I gave him the shopping list for my cousin's wedding, gave him the measurements for my brothers, told him explicitly that my sister and I want the latest style shawties and that they should be long sleeve blouses. We don't want the petticoat style. We want the style with the pants. And he said, fine. And now all of a sudden we're calling him and we're like, hey, dad, guess what? Pack your bags. You're coming home. My dad doesn't argue. He's like, "Okay, fine. You know, that's cool. And so while my brother is taking care of everything, I'm just making a mental list of all of the things that I have to do at work the next day. So I need to email the program participants, letting them know that we're suspending programs. But the most important thing I need to remember to do is touch base with the university to let them know that, hey, you know, since we're suspending programs, we don't need the space anymore. And it's getting close to 1.30. So I turn to my brother and I'm like, hey, listen, 
can we just agree that you and Midge will take care of the tickets and just send them my way once everything is ready? And I have work tomorrow. I need sleep. He agrees. So I get my phone from him. I go up. I knock out. They'll take care of everything. I'm at work the next day. I've sent out all of the emails I have to, and I'm looking at the time, and it's noon. I haven't heard anything from my brother or my cousin, and so I shoot them a message, and I'm like, hey, did you guys book the ticket? So my cousin responds. He says yes. He forwards me the ticket, and I'm looking at it, and things look good. It's Dhaka Airport. The flight is in four hours, and I look closer, and that's not dad's name. That's really not his name. And I really want to like yell at my brothers, but of course I'm at work. I can't yell while I'm at work. So I shoot him a message and I'm like, yo, you didn't check the name? And he's like, not really. And I'm like, well, guess what? The name's wrong. I shoot a message to our family group chat because, you know, big family means even though we live in the same house, we have to have a group chat. Like, what's up? Um, So there's seven people in that group chat. I message them and I'm like, hey, who's free to get on hold with the airlines? And the trader responds and he's like, he's at work, but he'll get on hold with the airlines. And one of my other brothers who's at home says he'll do the same. And I'm like, okay, I really didn't want to get involved, but I guess they've got this now. I can take a step back again. Uh, meanwhile, my sister is letting us handle it. She's not responding to any of the messages. And two hours go by. And finally, I get a message from my brother, three people on hold later. They finally have the new ticket. I ask him to send it to me because after what just happened, I don't trust him. Um, so he sends it to me. I look at it. The name is correct. I checked my dad in and things are good. Um So that's taken care of. I'm like relief. A couple of days later, my dad gets home and in typical Hawkeye Rodriguez fashion, we're there to greet him because somehow that same day he managed to get all of our shopping done. And so we're just there in the living room, two suitcases open, packages of clothes all over the place packages just being handed off one person to the next and everyone's gotten what they need. My nephews are happy to have Nana home again and my sister and I got the color of the sari we wanted, not quite the style, but I guess the important thing is that my dad is home. Um, And so we're, we're just, you know, settling back into the routine. Um, My sister is back in her apartment. I don't need to pay bills anymore since dad is home. I don't need to take care of any of the mail. He's got that. And one of the first things I notice once things start to settle down is I haven't seen my nephews in a couple of days. Usually they come down for at least one meal or just to play around and things of that sort. So I message my sister and she responds and she's like, oh, dad just traveled. He's much older. And my sister's a nurse. So she's saying that, oh, you know, she's dealing with patients who are potentially COVID positive. So she doesn't really want to expose anyone. She's kind of been self-isolating, staying away from the kids as well. And I ask her, you know, like, 
is the virus something that we should be worrying about? And she's like, listen, I'm running out of Lysol wipes. If you guys have, leave them in the hall. So when I get home, I can wipe everything down as I come upstairs. And I'm like, oh, I guess this is something we should be taking seriously. Yeah, we've been suspending programs, but, you know, there are a dozen of us. So, you know, we're not really feeling the isolation. You know, we have all the entertainment in the house. Um, But I guess this is something that's serious. And my sister being on what now we call the front lines is obviously hearing things firsthand. And I'm looking back at it and I'm just like, I didn't think things would get that bad. But this is the first time since my sister started working that I'm actually hearing her worried and voice concern. And even though I know that we will never, ever experience the stress that my sister is going, I know that as a family, we work together to get my dad home. And my sister, no matter what happens, she's got this because we've got her. And that's what we, the Hakodin Rodriguez clan, do. Thank you. That was Tasmeen H. Odin. Tasmeen is a Muslim New Yorker of Bangladeshi descent. She is an empath, lover of love and life, poet and dreamer committed to changing the world one smile at a time. Through the Rumi Center for Spirituality and the Arts, she has learned to combine her spiritual and poetic journeys and see writing as a form of spiritual practice. Storyclider is so grateful to Lily and Tasmeen for sharing their stories. Storyclider is also very grateful for the support of Science Sandbox, the Simons Foundation initiative dedicated to engaging everyone with the process of science. This podcast series was produced by me, Aaron Barker, with assistance from Story Collider's Deputy Director Nissa Greenberg and Senior Podcast Editor Jun Chen. Special thanks goes out to Story Collider's board, our Operations Manager Lindsay Cooper, and our Interim Executive Director Leslie Griesbach-Schultz, without whom none of this would be possible. The stories in today's episode were produced by Gastor Almonte and Lily B, respectively. The theme music is by Eva Gertz of the Fulton Street Music Group. Check out our next episode as part of the series this Friday. Until then, this is Story Collider signing off. Stay safe, wash your hands, wear a mask, love each other. Thanks for listening. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.